Satan will use fear as a tool to get us to become self-absorbed, self-focused, so that we would be discouraged and quit, so that we would further sin and be rightfully reproached because of our sin and not be able to finish God's work. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Equipping the Saints. Equipping the Saints is a daily radio outreach from Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And our teacher is Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. Well, Greg, today we continue our look at how to not be overcome by Satan's tactic of fear. Yes, we do, Dave. So let's get right to our study and turn to Nehemiah chapter 6, and we're looking at verses 1 through 14. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, today's message is one you'll want to share with a friend. Just tell them to visit etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. They'll find today's broadcast, as well as a host of other archived broadcasts waiting there for them. Our web address, again, is simply etsradio.org. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. Maybe they're saying, you won, Nehemiah, you got the job done, let's be buddies, let's just put it back behind us and work together, right? He wasn't a hopeful thinker based on falsehood. Sometimes we do that. We will ignore the truth and be hopeful in a false way. Now, we need to be hopeful in a way the Lord reveals in his word. Now, Nehemiah, notice what happens here. He says in the end of verse 2, but they were planning to what? Harm me. You see, this would be a deserted location, as I mentioned, halfway between Samaria and Jerusalem. Maybe the enemies are saying, okay, Nehemiah, you won, blah, blah, blah. But no, that's not what they were saying. And Nehemiah understood that. You see here, they had tried a violent sneak attack before. They had tried other things. They were very much enemies. And so here we have them calling to do this meeting. But they were planning to harm me, he says. So how does Nehemiah know this? How does he know they're planning to harm him? Well, did someone tell him? Possibly. We don't know. Certainly a lot of word was going out. Loose lips were sinking a lot of ships, right? A lot of word was going out both ways. But as we're going to see, Nehemiah is discerning and trusts the Lord. I don't know if someone told him or not, but I know he's discerning. And I know he trusts the Lord. And I know he understands biblical, biblical principles and that these are enemies. And think about it. They're not sending a letter saying, we are so sorry for all that we have done. We have mocked you. We have ridiculed you. We have tried to stop your work. We are wrong. That's not what the letter says. So I believe Nehemiah understood intuitively to meet out in this deserted area would be a danger to him. He's leaving the security of Jerusalem and going out there. And so he understood they're trying to harm him. And so how does he respond? Verse 3. So I sent messengers to them saying, I love this, by the way, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Right? Why should that happen? Nehemiah just comes straight out. I'm doing a great work, and I'm not coming to you. I'm not going to stop the work to come out and talk to you. You know, we want so desperately to be resolved in conflict, to be at peace with all men, but we need to be careful that we don't have one principle contradict another principle in Scripture. Nehemiah understood this was not a genuine plea for reconciliation. You see what I'm saying? He understood that. They were trying to harm him. So he says, it's a great work. And why is it a great work? We know because God is in it. And a side note, if you are serving the Lord, you are doing a great work. 
God is in it. When you serve Christ, you are doing a great work. When you serve him in the body of Christ, you are doing a great work. You serve him at home, you serve him at work. You're doing a great work. It's God's work, and God is in it. And so he says, hey, I'm not going to come. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Pretty straightforward. He wasn't being dishonorable, disrespectful. He's being truthful. I'm not going to do it. Why should I come and stop the work to talk to you? Now, they could have written back, said, well, here's why. We really do want to apologize. We messed up, you know, and hey, maybe meet somewhere else and let's really hear it, all right? But that's not what they do. Notice it says what they did. Verse 4, and they sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. Okay, he's not going to buy into it. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. So what can we learn from here? Well, first of all, Nehemiah was wise to discern that his enemies were enemies. You know, your enemies are enemies until something changes and nothing had changed. They were enemies, okay? They were enemies of Nehemiah and of the Lord, and he understood that. Secondly, we need to stay at work. We need to keep working. Keep doing what we should be doing in Christ. Don't get sidetracked. Keep working. And brother and sister, as I mentioned before, also, when you are serving the Lord, it is a great work. You're serving the Lord. It's his work. It's a great work. And then lastly, I think we need to recognize how this initial four verses relates to the rest of the chapter. I think it relates to it pointing out that these guys aren't going to stop. They're going to keep going. They're going to keep attacking. It hasn't changed. So with that in mind, it was a deceitful attempt here now, and their tactics have changed a little bit, to harm the leader. Hey, take out the quarterback. Team doesn't do too well, right? Strike down the shepherd, right? The sheep going to scatter, right? So pray for your leaders because they've got a big bullseye on them. Satan is going after them. He goes after you too. He's going after them, right? And leaders, don't give the Lord's time to your enemies. I don't have time to do it. I'm doing God's work. So how can we not be overcome by fear? Well, we need to realize it's coming. The dangers are coming. There are people out there. They're enemies. And they got new, interesting ways to attack us. But nothing's new under the sun. We're all going to have the same thread within it, as we're going to say. So we got to realize it's coming. And we recognize that fear is what they're using here in this tactic. We're going to see it. It's fear. But fear, and I'm not talking about reverence, but fear is not from God. It is not from God. Sixty-six times in the Old Testament, the Lord tells us directly or through his servants, do not fear, fear not, or do not be afraid. Okay? In the New Testament, an angel says four times, do not be afraid. Jesus says 18 times, do not be afraid, do not fear, or fear not, or do not fear. Peter says concerning those slandering, and do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, 1 Peter 3.14. And what does Paul tell Timothy? For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, some translations say fear, but of power, love, and discipline. Fear is not from God. But God understands our frame, and he gives us a way to be protected, to be delivered, as David said, out of all my fears. To be delivered, okay? So then, we're going to see Nehemiah is victorious over this fear, and it's going to be an encouragement and a pattern for us as we look at how he does it. Victory over it. 
Now, folks, on a side note, we're also going to see Satan will use fear as a tool to get us to become self-absorbed, self-focused, so that we would be discouraged and quit, so that we would further sin and be rightfully reproached because of our sin and not be able to finish God's work. But we need to be prepared, and we need to understand that our enemies are going to use this tactic, and they understand it, and they're using it. They're using it to scare to frighten. So then, how can we escape the temptation to succumb to fear? How can we have victory over it? Well, we need to know it's coming. We need to be prepared and not be foolish and realize, hey, everything's fine. I don't have an enemy. No one's attacking me. Well, you have an enemy. It's Satan. He's going to use people. So it's going to come if you're serving the Lord. And then what we're going to see here is that we need to realize here that Satan will use fear to paralyze us and entrap us so that we will quit. That's his goal. Notice in our study, we need to guard ourselves from fear that, first of all, as we're going to see, arises from false accusations. Notice, Sanballat sends an open letter to Nehemiah, falsely accusing him of planning rebellion against the king, but Nehemiah denies it, understands the evil motives, and prays for strength and keeps working. This is an example for us. Verse 5, Then Sanballat sent his servant to me, in the same manner, a fifth time. Remember, the first four times were secret, private, right? The word private was in our text. And he says here, with what? An open letter. Hey, this isn't private anymore. It's open. By the way, we'll see that an open letter was one that everyone could read that would be passed around openly, okay? Open letter in his hand. And in it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Gashmu says, must Gashmu must have been a big guy. Some think that's Gershom. But evidently, Gashmu is a Benedict Arnold, turncoat, satanic man, who says this if it's really true. Gashmu says that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Therefore, you are rebuilding the wall, and you are to be their king, according to these reports. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you. A king is in Judah, and now it will be reported to the king according to these reports. So come now, let us take counsel together. You know what? Hey, here's a big false accusation to frighten you, as we'll see, to scare you into coming and doing what we want you to do so that we can stop you from doing God's work. That's really what's going on. That's really what's going on. So it's an open letter. After all the private invitations, they go with another tactic, an open letter. And this open letter could be read with the public, and it had false accusations in it. But yet, with all false accusations, you see there's a big chunk of truth. Yes, they're rebuilding. That's not, that's not false. But they're not rebuilding so that they can rebel against the king of Persia and establish Nehemiah as king. That's not true. It's false. Yet, this is a serious false accusation. This is the type of false accusation where Nehemiah's head is gone. If the king believes it, it off with your head, right? It's, and the Jews probably be slaughtered. It's a serious false accusation. Sometimes we get accused and there's really no consequences to anyone else or anything like that. But here, there are consequences to the Jews themselves. If the king of Persia was to believe it and get hot and go out and slay everybody, consequences to Nehemiah being the king, he'd certainly lose his head. It's a big deal. This is a big, this is a big one. This is a whopper. Probably couldn't get any worse. This is the worst false accusation they can bring. And that's what Satan's like. So he's using a new tactic. Sandbelt's making this open letter. So what's the temptation for Nehemiah? It's to be self-absorbed, fearing what might happen or what others think about the accusations, right? 
you know, if you're following the Lord, you're going to be falsely accused. If you're a leader, you're going to be falsely accused. It's coming. How do you respond? This is a great lesson for us. You see, because the temptation is to justify ourselves, to prove to everyone that it's not the truth, very tempting to worry about people and situations, very tempting to fear what people think. It's tempting to become self-focused, and that's what fear does. That's why it's such a bad sin when we succumb to it. We're going to see later on, when we fear, we don't trust. And there's a lack of love when we're fearing, too. There's an interesting relationship to that. Actually, turn to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to see that when we act out of fear, we act out of self-focus. We're not trusting the Lord, and we're not loving our brothers and sisters because we are self-absorbed. You can't love your brother when you are absorbed with yourself. It doesn't happen. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Now, although the main principle here is we don't fear because we're not going to be punished because God loved us and took our punishment for us, there's another principle that lays forth on here in the context of 1 John, which is about loving your brothers, right, and obeying the Lord in that. Now, the principle is that we love because he first loved us, and there is no fear in love. You see, when I'm fearing, I'm not loving. Look a little farther down, just in 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. By this we know that we what love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. Hey, I'm loving God when I'm obeying him concerning his will, concerning you, right? If I'm disobeying him, I'm not loving you. I can tell you right now, I don't love you if I'm not obeying God. You don't love me if you're not obeying God. That's just the way it is. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Hey, if you're in faith, it's not a burden to do it. You trust the Lord. So then, we can't fear man and love God or his people at the same time. It's not going to work. We just can't fear things and love God. We need to trust the Lord. You see, because the fear of man brings what? A snare. And look at this contrast. This is in Proverbs. and I'll read it for you, Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare. That literally means a hook, like dragging you away. Dragging you away. But, in contrast, he who trusts the Lord will be established. You can fear man, or you can trust the Lord. You can fear man. When you are fearing man, you're not trusting the Lord. But we can get caught up in it, and we need to be set free. And we're going to see from Nehemiah, who does not get caught up in it. Okay, so then, we don't want to become self-absorbed. That's just what Satan wants us to do, because when we're selfish, we don't obey God, and we don't love one another. Fear is not from God. So what's the right response? Look at Nehemiah, back in our passage, chapter 6. Verse 8, Then I sent a message to him, saying, Such things as you are saying have not been done, but you are inventing them in your own mind. Pretty straightforward. You made it up. I haven't done it, and you made it up. Now, he doesn't get off and explain and defend with this guy all the reasons why it's not true. He says it's not true. It's not true. You made it up. He doesn't get into a discourse with Sandal and Tobiah about this. He shares the truth with them. We need to expose and confront the lie with the truth. That's the first principle we'll see. We'll see later on, Nehemiah will do that with the word in the next illustration. We need to expose the lie with the truth. This is not true. And we need to understand what Satan's goal is in this attack and this attempt. 
Look at verse 9. He's going to explain. For all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. Okay, now we know the motive. we got to do that. So we need to acknowledge the truth and expose the motive for what Satan is doing through these people, whatever it might be. They're trying to scare us. It's an attempt to get me to fear that I would be discouraged and that I wouldn't do the work, which is true. You get discouraged, you're not serving the Lord anymore. So then, Sam Valentine's, the enemies were evil. They understood how evil worked. It's a tactic. They understand. And they understand how fear works. And they wanted them to become frightened, that they would become discouraged and would not do the work. Okay, that's what Satan wants to do with us. Nothing new under the sun. Get you to fear so that you don't do the good work in your marriage. Get you to fear you don't do the good work with your children. Get you to fear you don't do the good work at work. Get you to fear you don't do the good work at church. Get you to fear. But we need to identify the lie and then know what is going on under the scenes. We need to see this. We need to understand this. And then lastly, we need to call upon God. Notice what he does in contrast. But, end of verse 9, Now, O God, strengthen my hands. This is what they're doing, but right out of his mouth in the same sentence, no delay, he says here, but now, O God, strengthen my hands. They're trying to do this to me, but strengthen my hands. The implication is strengthen my hands to continue working. Strengthen my hands to keep going. Help me not to succumb to this. Help me to do the work. Strengthen me, God. We need to trust the Lord. The very opposite of what fear was to accomplish, Nehemiah is praying for. Strength to do the work rather than self-focus and pulling away, right? Brothers and sisters, when you are falsely accused, confront the lie with the truth. Understand the goal of what your enemy Satan is doing to frighten you, discourage you, to get you to quit. But instead of yielding, go to God for his strength and keep on working. Reprove the lies, understand the goal of your tactics, and seek God's strength. Keep working, asking for God's strength, rather than being sidetracked through your fear to defend or run away or whatever it might be. And believe me, there's great temptation to do so. Satan's goal is to make you ineffective for Christ as you wallow in your fear and self-focus, consumed with yourself. This is not how God wants us to live, okay? So many fear knots. Do not fear, right? Commands, don't fear. When we are consumed with ourselves, we do not love God by obeying him. We do not love others because we're not obeying God. But when we see the Lord is more important than ourselves, in the situation, the false accusation, when we see people is more important, we get to work seeking his strength. There are some of you who need to get to work. You have been sidetracked by your own fears. And folks, they didn't just come upon you one day. You've been running them through your head over and over again. Rather than reproving the lies in your head, you've been running it through your head. You're running these evil thoughts through your head. You're ineffective. You're consumed and obsessed by your fears. It's time to confess your sin. Confess your sin and acknowledge that you've been infected for Christ, that you've been self-focused. Get into his truth. Confront your erroneous thinking. Get into his truth and do not fear because God is with you. Let me share some passages. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. These believers, they were being threatened. They're being slandered. 
Nero was on the scene. Bad things were about to happen. Fiery ordeal come upon them for their testing. And the Lord has to tell them to think rightly, to get your head squared away. I'm paraphrasing. Notice what he says here, 1 Peter 3.13. And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? In light of who God is, whose eye is attentive upon the righteous, his ear is attentive to their prayer, in light of that, who can harm you? Get your head straight, right? And then he says, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And what does he say here? Do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. But what do you do instead? Sanctify Christ as Lord of your heart. Make him the Lord of your heart, not fear and intimidation. You know, we make other things the Lord of our heart by thinking of them all the time. You know what I'm saying? Sanctify Christ. Set him apart as Lord of your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer by doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. And I shared this passage earlier, wonderful passage. Turn to Isaiah 41. Wonderful passage. Memorize it. Get it in your heart. When you are tempted to fear, get it in your heart. Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't fear. God's with you. Don't fear. Nehemiah didn't fear. He knew God was with him. God strengthened my hands. Praying right along with this. God says he's going to strengthen. And guess what? Nehemiah well had this at that time, right? Isaiah had already written this. Nehemiah had these scriptures, he had this truth, and he's living it out. Strengthen my hands, O God. He says, Behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. You think about that when people are attacking you, go, wow, they're not going to win. And notice he says here, those who contend with you will be as nothing and perish. Hey, they're done. You will seek those who quarrel with you, but you will not find them. Those who war with you will be as nothing and non-existent. For I am the Lord your God, who upholds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I'll help you. Don't fear in your marriage, God will help you. Don't fear with your children, God will help you. Don't fear at work, God will help you. Now, if you're all about the issue, then that's something else. Trust the Lord. Don't fear in church, God will help you. You want to be free of fear? Get into God's word, confront the situation with his truth, Understand your enemy's tactics to get you to sin, be self-centered in fear, and then go to the Lord for strength and trust him. So then we see the first attack with the weapon of fear. It's a false accusation against a leader from the outside, basically, open to all. Okay? If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 
800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, would you summarize your exhortation at the end of the message? Yes, Dave, gladly. You see, brothers and sisters, when we are falsely accused, we need to confront the lie with the truth. We need to understand the goal of our enemy Satan is for us to be frightened and discouraged and to quit. All that through being self-focused. Well, keep on working. Keep on seeking the strength of God rather than being sidetracked through fear, trying to defend yourself or run away or whatever it might be. You see, Satan's goal is to make you ineffective for Christ as you wallow in fear and self-focus. But don't do that. Go to the Lord God and allow him to strengthen you and trust him and keep on working in the work that he's called you to do. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you're receiving spiritual benefit from equipping the saints, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift today? Every gift makes a difference. No gift is too small, and every dollar is put right back into the ministry. To send a gift to Equipping the Saints, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to donate online, our web address is etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints.